0: Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my, righteousness, my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings and by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. To be called their father, for he has well to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. You may be seated.
1: Would you pray with me as we begin this morning? Father, we're grateful once again for the opportunity that you have given to us. to open your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you, Father, that this word that you have preserved for us is eternal, standing firm in the heavens. We thank you that there are wonderful things in this word that you have given to us. Oh, Father, I pray this morning you would open our eyes to those wonderful truths in your word, the wonderful promises that you have for us in your word, may we as a church stand firmly upon your promises. Father, I pray we would be a faithful people, going where you've called us to go, being obedient to the words, thus saith the Lord. Father, that would be sufficient for us to move and operate. In the days ahead. We thank you for those who have gone before us. Who have walked and lived out this race of faith. And I pray father that we would be encouraged. Not only by the the race of faith that they've run. But father it would spur us on. Even the more to run. As you've called us to run. Your church. May we in the power of the Holy Spirit. Run this race. Well for you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is our final week in the series of Gospel Markers. Those of you maybe that have not been with us for the entirety of our time here over these past two months. We started out talking about the problem that we have and that is our sin. But then we followed it up talking about the solution to that problem is found in Jesus Christ. That he alone is the solution to our sin problem. We spoke of our connection, our union with Christ and how important being in Christ is. We followed it up talking about the fellowship that we have with God the Father through Jesus Christ and the fellowship that we have with parts of the body. As the parts of the body are connected to the head, they're also connected one to another and the joy of fellowship. We followed that up talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and how important it is that we remember and recognize What happened back in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came down was poured down upon those in that place. And yet today the Holy Spirit is given to those who profess belief in the name and look to the Son for their only source of salvation. The Bible says that he grants the Holy Spirit to live and abide and dwell within the believer forever. Which is good news. And then we talked about the church and the purity of the bride. Christ's church. And in that context of the church, then last week we talked about the commission that's been given to his church. To go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all things that Christ himself commanded. We end today, church, with the hope. I can't think of a better place to end than by speaking of the hope that we have. The hope that we have. You know, there are many people today who do not have the hope that we're going to talk about today. And I would imagine that you probably know some of those people. That don't have the hope that the Bible speaks of here this morning. I'm encouraged as I read this and read about these people of faith. These people who walk this out, who had this hope of a heavenly city. We talked about the objectives early on in this series about understanding the gospel. What is the gospel? Hopefully over these last eight weeks, you've been able to at least get some handles on what is the gospel? What is this good news message all about? I hope also that you've been able to foster some kind of love for this gospel. There's a joy that comes with hearing about this gospel. Do you delight in this gospel? And are you growing in your love for God through Jesus Christ in your relationship? And then the third objective we talked about was living out this gospel. Sharing this gospel. Are you able to effectively communicate with others the core components of the gospel? And taking the gospel from merely intellect, what I know, to putting it to my feet and walking and living it out. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 addresses the hope that we have in Christ in the resurrected Christ. You know, it seems like there was some question swirling in the church at Corinth whether or not Jesus had been raised from the dead. And Paul lists several problems with this way of thinking, picking it up in chapter 16, or excuse me, verse 16, chapter 15 of Corinthians. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. That takes us all the way back to week one, doesn't it? Addressing the sin problem. If Christ has not risen. Then also those who have fallen asleep. Those who have died in Christ have perished. If there is no resurrection. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. If in this life only. The Bible says we are of all men the most pitiable. And I'm grateful to God that he kept going with this thought. He now says but. Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, that would be Adam. By man also came resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, that's Romans five twelve. even so in Christ all shall be made alive. You know, in Romans chapter 4, We read about Abraham who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Genesis chapter 7, verse 12, verse 7. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Listen to this. One of the best definitions in scripture right here of faith. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Romans 4, 21. And therefore it was accounted to him, that's Abraham, for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us Listen, this is for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in Him who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of what? Our offenses, our sin, and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, Romans 5 says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you here have that peace with our Lord Jesus Christ we're talking about this morning? If you do, it's good news. And just thinking about it ought to make a smile come across your face. It's good news. Through whom we also have access by faith. Into this grace in which we stand. Listen to this. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, what? Hope. And hope. Church, does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. What a wonderful passage in Romans 4, 18 through 5, verse 5. If you have the Spirit of Christ in you, you have been given, church, a down payment for your future inheritance. The Spirit serves as an earnest, right, of what's yet to come. I'm reminded of, of some lyrics of a song that I know, and it talks about the best is yet to come. Nothing compares to the promise we share. The best is yet to come. How many of you would agree with that? The best is yet to come. Some of us need to be reminded that the best is yet to come because we live in a world where there's a lot of times, a lot of days that happen, a lot of circumstances that can get us bogged down if we're not careful. But we need to be remembering. We need to be reminded of this hope that we have in the Scripture that the best is yet to come. If you're in Christ here this morning I'd like to ignite a reminder of the hope according to God's word that we ought to serve this this ought to serve this kind of hope ought to serve as a catalyst for your daily living daily Paul writing the book of Philippians from a prison cell he says remember this for to me to live is Christ to die is what? Gain Philippians 121 he says but if I live on in the flesh this will mean fruit from my labor listen Paul's saying, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. There ought to be fruit from our labor, believers in Jesus Christ. Fruit from my labor, he says, yet what I I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Far better. That word better comes along quite often in the book of Hebrews. Paul writes to the church at Colossae with good news about what had been for so long, a mystery hidden. Remember that? But now has been revealed to his saints. The Bible says that to them, God willed to make known to his saints. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1:26 and 27. I ask of you this morning, is Christ in you? Is he in you this morning? If not, I pray God would open your heart, open your mind to grasp this hope that I speak of from the scriptures. This kind of hope, the kind of hope in the scriptures reminds me of a young man I was reading about recently. His name is Huang. Chinese. Missionary. Brother Yun got to know this man, Huang. In fact, Huang was commissioned into to be moved into cell number two brother Yoon at the time was the cell leader of block number two and in fact he was commissioned beforehand and said hey we're moving this guy hawang into your cell and you are responsible if this man dies this man has been trying to take his own life this man is a murderer he's going to die in just a few days And we're moving him into your cell, and you are going to be the one responsible for him. And if he dies, if he happens to take his life on your watch, you're accountable. Well, at this particular point in time, Brother Yoon, in his cell number two, had already done some gospel work. And there are a bunch of brothers in cell number two. And Brother Yoon briefs the brothers in cell number two about Huang. Said, brothers, we have some work to do. Talks about showing love, showing compassion toward this man. He was placed into cell number two with his feet and his hands shackled. And through an amazing compassion and love extended toward Huang in cell number two, the Holy Spirit orchestrated new life. And Huang, who once had lived the life of a hardened criminal, was now on his knees asking God to save him from his sins just days away from his order of execution. Hoang could be heard in his prison cell, still shackled because he was a death row inmate and he needed to be shackled. He was singing praises at the top of his lungs to his Lord and Savior. And the prison guards would oftentimes come by and yell at him to stop with all the noise and threaten to beat him for such a behavior. But threats, you see, have no hold on such a man as Hoang because he was a dead man. He was a few days away from his death sentence. And in his final days, his desire was to grow in Christ, to absorb the things of Christ, to praise the name of Jesus. Nothing was going to stop Hawang from exalting the name of Jesus. You see, he found his hope, church, in that prison cell. As Brother Yoon and others ministered love and compassion to him, sharing with him the hope of what is yet to come. And I think about that and I just go, oh, that that we would begin living this way. Isn't it true that you too are going to die one day? What if you spent your life for the glory of God in the meantime? What would that look like? What if you were always thinking about how to please Jesus and didn't mind if others heard your singing? What if you became more consumed with the eternal than the temporal? How would that change your perspective on your remaining days here on earth? If your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, why then do you continue holding on to the things of this world? Why are you still trusting, as the hymn writer says, in the sweetest frame? What is your hope built on? I'm not talking about some intellectual hope. I'm not alluding to how many Bible verses you might know about the hope we have in Christ. I'm talking about a real, active, living hope. The kind of hope that the Hebrew writer says we lay hold of. We lay hold of it. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast. That's the kind of hope I'm speaking of this morning. If such a hope abides in you, how then are you living in these last days? You see, Paul wrote to Titus, and he left Titus behind on the island of Crete. But he wrote to him, desiring to impress upon him this hope yet to come. I want you to look at how he frames this hope in Titus 2, beginning of verse 11. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men You might remember the hymn, My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. No merit of my own, his anger to suppress. My only hope is found in Jesus' righteousness. Let me say that again because that's significant to the gospel. My only hope is found in Jesus' righteousness. And now for me, he stands before the Father's throne. He shows his wounded hands and names me as his own. His grace has planned it all. Tis mine, but to believe and recognize his work of love and Christ receive. For me, he died. For me, he lives. An everlasting life and light, he freely gives. Is your hope today in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your life characterized by righteous, sober, godly living, marked by an ongoing lookout for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior? You see, there was a day when such men could be found, church. When I take up this sword of the Spirit, this word of God, I read about men and women who lived without having received Any of the promises set before them. Men and women who walked by faith, obedient to God, simply taking him at his word. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him, what? At his word. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise, just to know what? Thus saith the Lord. Do you operate your life on your own terms? Or according to thus saith the Lord. You might agree that it is sweet to trust in Jesus. You think it's a good idea to do so. You've grown up with that idea. Some of you have. You like the thought of the biblical teaching. But by faith, are you taking him at his word? Are you resting upon his promises? Do you really know what he has promised you in his word? Is thus saith the Lord sufficient for you? You might not be able to see it. Feel it, grasp it. But if God's word is brought to bear upon you, do you receive it by faith and desire, desire to walk in that way? Church, as has been read this morning, do do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. It says here, for yet in a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Hebrew writer says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We believe to the saving of the soul. The writer of Hebrews then, what he does is he launches into chapter 11, what we know as chapter 11, launches in talking about this gallery of men and women who live by faith, having not received the promises given to them. And Hebrews 11 is a picture of people who believed to the saving of the soul. They really lived out by faith what they believed and they look forward in hope to the continuing city to come. Hebrews 13, verse 14 says, this better and enduring possession yet to come. Christ himself, heaven, and the joy of spending eternity worshiping the Lord. You see, this gospel we hold to presents a hope for all who believe in the name of Jesus by faith and trust him as Lord and Savior. This hope is fully realized yet in the future, but until then, I'm reminded of the hymn writer, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy, I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold the city. Until the day God calls me home. You see, until then, I'm called to live soberly, godly, righteous, looking for the blessed hope to come in Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews 11:13. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, up to this point in Hebrews chapter 11... You read about Abel, and you read about Noah, and you read about Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah. These all died in faith. And the list will continue after verse 16. Abraham obeyed. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. Verse 10 then says of Hebrews 11, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Some of you might think as you read that verse, you might be inclined to wonder, Abraham waited for this city of God? Really? Really? You know, I was, I was reminded from the scripture in the Gospel of John, in fact. The Jews took offense, you might recall this, of Jesus' words in John eight fifty one. I said, most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. And the Jews were crying out, "And Abraham's dead, and the prophets, they're dead. Are you greater than Abraham, who is dead? And Jesus responds in John 8, 56. Listen to what he says. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Now, if Abraham, the patriarch, could see the Christ in the heavenly city to come, what about you? You sit here today far removed from father Abraham You have been given the law which reveals your sin. You've been given and provided the benefit of seeing the prophets. You have the benefit of Christ's advent, his life here on earth, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. You are recipients of the Holy Spirit who came down that day in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost and now you await the return of Jesus. You live in these last days. You have all of these things available to you and yet there are many today who do not live with the heavenly hope. Many live carelessly apart from faith. And here's Abraham, the patriarchs. The gallery of Hebrews 11 should cause a great deal, church, a great deal of introspection. Am I living by faith? Is my hope in the Christ who died for me and gave himself for me? You see, the faithful ones who died, in verse 13, they saw afar off what God had for them. They were assured of what God had in store. They embraced them. And they confessed. What did they confess? They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. In other words, these men and women of faith were two feet in believers. Not straddle the line kind of believers. They were two feet in. They confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers here on earth. They believed what God said. And as a result, they willingly proceeded to live here on earth as a sojourner, a passerby. They lived here with the realization that we're not home yet. Here's the situation, it seems, for many on the earth. You like the earth. You like it. You like the things here on earth. To consider yourself a stranger and pilgrim is not an exercise in just depriving yourself of, of things. See, confessing to be a stranger and pilgrim here on earth means that this world and the lust thereof have no allure to you. You are here, you see, on an interim assignment. Here for a limited time only to glorify God, magnify the name of Jesus whose name you bear if you are in Christ. Hebrews eleven fourteen 14 says, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Those who make the declaration that, and confess that they are strangers and pilgrims, they're making a, a very plain declaration. They're seeking a homeland. Evidence is seen in Hebrews 11, 37, first part of 38. It says they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted... Slain with the sword, they wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, They, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And listen, of whom the world was not worthy. Is there any doubt that those described in Hebrews 11 were plainly seeking a homeland? Another city, a heavenly country whose builder and maker is God. Death was of little concern to them. You see, the world was no partner to them, for they lived by faith. And they held on to the hope of what was yet to come. And here's the joy of Hebrews 11 and 12. As I read Hebrews 11 and 12, the the message exhibited in the great cloud of witnesses is, is intended to be exhibited in all who follow after Jesus. Each one of you, each one of you, if you are here in Christ, each one of you, this applies to Run this race of faith. Many have already run it. Jesus being the originator, the perfecter of this faith. He's the one who makes such a race of faith possible. So run. Run in such a way as to seek the prize. Are you plainly seeking a homeland where you, you be forever with Jesus? Are you seeking that homeland? Hebrews eleven fifteen 15 says... And truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out. They would have had opportunity to return. What's the writer getting at here? Those who declared plainly that they were seeking a heavenly homeland. The writer says here truly if they had remembered or called to mind. The country from which they had come out. They would have had opportunity to return. You see they confessed to be strangers and pilgrims but what kept them from returning? What kept them from returning? Faith. With eyes turned toward God, the things of the world grew strangely dim. You see, didn't Abraham have opportunity to return to Ur of the Chaldeans? What about you? Many of you here were called as well by God. You were called and are called yet today to that land that is fairer than day, a land that by faith you are enabled to see even from afar. Do you remember the place you once were? Do you remember the friends with whom you once gathered? You remember the enjoyments and the pleasures and the hours that passed in happiness, embracing. Your former loves in this world? Do you remember the pursuits that you charted? Do you remember the ladders that you endeavored to climb? All to take hold of things here on earth. See, in remembering these things of old, is there any desire to return? Is there any desire to return? You have opportunity to do so, you know. In fact, As you live here on this earth, the pleasures of this world are abundantly showered before you, are they not? The trinkets of this life, dazzled in many ways before your face. It's hard to drive on the road without seeing a billboard that's not calling your attention away from the heavenly hope. It's all before you here on this earth. Opportunities to return to the old way of living abound. And you might be surprised how often those opportunities present themselves on a daily basis. Let me explain. And really this is a note of of warning, a note of exhortation, if you will. Those of you who confess to be strangers and pilgrims here on earth, I'd like to encourage you with something. Please be careful that you do not become a conduit for opportunity in the lives of others. You see, these people had opportunity to return. And what I'm putting forth this morning is that you walk carefully. Circumspectly, I believe, is the word in the scripture. Being careful how you live your days. Being careful how you use your tongue. That you do not become a conduit for opportunity in the lives of others. Whether they be fellow saints or whether they be people already delighting solely in this world. Your words count. Your actions matter. Your thoughts and your motivations see that they are governed and shaped by this word of truth. Have you ever considered that the conversation you engage in can be deemed an opportunity for your brother or sister to return to his former country? See, I don't think we think in those terms often enough that the words that come out of my mouth could be, perhaps, might be an opportunity for this other brother who's struggling in a certain area. It could be an opportunity for him to return. What fills your conversations, church, around the lunch table? When the service ends later, some of you, and this is a pointed question perhaps, but nevertheless it needs to be asked, I believe. Are some of you going to be quick to go try and search out and check out a football score? Does, does that hold such a position in your life that you would dare to insert it in the midst of conversation how your favorite football team might be doing? Do you realize that that in putting that forth, putting it out on the table, conversations like that, and there are many other examples we could put forward, that's one, may be an opportunity for someone to either continue in where they currently are or it may draw one away and give them opportunity to return to these things of the world as though these things of the world is where I need to be. As opposed to putting forth conversation and words that are going to encourage a brother, going to encourage a sister in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I just want you to be mindful of it. The things that consume your attention speak much of where your heart is. That sounds like a Bible verse. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also. Perhaps this is an opportunity to repent of sin that's been entangling your own thoughts. I encourage you, don't, don't allow one more Sunday to go by where your words in conversation toss a, think about it this way, how they toss a line in the water for another brother or sister to return home. To go back to the place where they used to be. Opportunities to return to the old way. They abound but I want you to see also that God provides opportunities to test your faith. And you might find yourself in a situation where you're going to need to make a very important decision. And you're in the midst of a position that in times past you maybe have walked over here. And God is sometimes putting forth these, tra- these tests, these trials. In fact, one writer says he, he intends the faith he, he gives should have its tests. We'll be talking about this as we get to James in the new year. Should glorify his name. These opportunities to return are meant to try our faith. And they are sent to, to you to prove you are a, you are a volunteer soldier. Why, if grace was a sort of chain that manacled you so that you could not leave your Lord, if it had become a physical impossibility to forsake the Savior, there would be no credit in it. He that does not run away because his legs are too weak does not prove himself a hero. But he that could run but will not run, he that could desert his Lord but will not desert him, has within him this principle of grace stronger than any fetter could be, the highest, firmest, noblest bond that unites a man to his Savior. And by this... Shall you know whether you are Christ or not? When you have opportunity to return, if you do not return, that shall prove as observable evidence, you are His. You see, these opportunities continue to confront us as long as we walk around in these bodies. All the more reason, church, endurance is needed to run this race of faith. Matthew 23, Jesus says, 12 and 13, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We live in a day, lawlessness is abounding, the love of many is growing cold. Jesus' words here are very timely. He follows it up and he says, but he who endures to the end shall be what? Saved. So with plenty of opportunities set before them, why didn't these strangers and pilgrims jump at the chance? Look at verse 16. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, the Hebrew writer on many occasions speaks of something better. When compared to Moses and the angels, Christ is seen as better. When compared to an earthly high priest, Christ is seen as better. When compared to the old covenant, the new covenant in Christ is deemed better. And so it is with the pilgrims and strangers that run this race of faith today. They long for and desire a better country, a heavenly city. This world is simply a temporary address. As a citizen of heaven, eagerly await a savior. That's what Paul did Philippians chapter 3. Eagerly await a savior and long to be with Jesus in heaven. Church, do you think much at all of heaven and what it will be like when you get to heaven? I love reading through the old hymns because many of the old hymns are focused and centered upon heaven and what a day it will be. Singing and shouting the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway. Clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. See, because Romans, or Revelation 21, 4 says that there's going to be a day and there's not going to be any more crying, not going to be any weeping, not going to be more sickness, not going to be any more sorrow. The old order of things are passing away, church. It's going to be a day of rejoicing. Desiring that which is better, a heavenly country. Why? Let me ask you, young people in particular, let me ask you, is it worth it? Is it worth it? There are a lot of folks around you, a lot of people that that you may come in contact with, and there are a lot of people who aren't living for this heavenly hope that we read about here in the scripture. It's an important question you need to ask. Is it worth it? If the Bible says it is, oh, I, I, I hope and I pray that you too would believe it to be worth it, that you would spend your days from this day forward walking by faith, not by sight, Trusting, believing what God has said here. He is preparing a place. And your opportunity to be a witness to others of this heavenly hope, of this better country, this better place. Are you living in light of that? Notice how 16 ends. He says, therefore, because there's a desire for a better country, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Before going to the cross, you might remember the words of Jesus in John 14, 2 and 3. He said, in my father's house are many what? Mansions. Many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You see, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Those who desire a better country. He has prepared a city for them. A permanent place to abide. A dwelling place for all eternity. The city of God stands in stark contrast, church, to the city of man. And the text in Hebrews 13, excuse me, Hebrews 11, verse 13, says that the strangers and pilgrims all died in faith. It's interesting, one writer says on this verse, he says, so then you you cannot go back because you cannot accomplish the end for which you went forward till you die. You have joined the company that makes the goal of life the object for which you live. Think about that. Notice one other thing from the text. God himself has prepared a city, but for whom? For them. That's the last two words of 16. He's prepared a city for them. Who's them? The faithful. The faithful. Those who endured to the end. Those whose hope is grounded and rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has not prepared a heavenly city for everyone. But for those who by faith have looked to the Son for life. And have trusted in Him alone for their salvation. I pray you would hear on this. This is important. This is the crux of the gospel. If you do not look to the sun, you do not have life. You must look to the sun to have life. Church, this is the good news message we've been talking about for the last two months. This sums up many of the things we've been talking about the text though also here presents a dilemma for the one still cherishing the world and the lusts thereof i hope you see this the heavenly city awaits those who are his the bible says that god knows those who are his let everyone who names the name of christ depart from iniquity second 2 timothy 2:19 2, says there are some still clinging to this world. If that's you, I exhort you to stop trying to get adjusted to this world. Stop holding on to the things that are going to burn up. This world you hold on to so dearly is deemed the city of destruction. And if you're not one of the strangers and pilgrims described in this text, You are subject to all that comes with being associated with this city of destruction. All that you've obtained, all that you've worked for, all that you own, all that you've accumulated, it's all going to perish in the city of destruction when the Lord returns. That's what you're putting your hope in. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. What to do in light of the destruction coming? You might recall the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the pending destruction of those cities in Genesis chapter 18. The Bible says that while Lot lingered, the men, the angel representatives that were there, the men took hold of his hand and his wife's hand and the daughters, his two daughters took hold of him. The Lord being merciful to him and they brought them out, set him outside the city. Verses 16 and 17. Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. That was the word. You see, church, if you're not a stranger or a pilgrim in this life, desiring a heavenly city, looking to the sun for your hope of salvation, you are in jeopardy of grave disaster. I just want to put that before you this morning. In love. You are in need of rescue. You are currently awaiting destruction for you dwell and desire not the heavenly country, but the things of this world. Listen, the world, this world is passing away and the lust thereof is passing away. Like the angel of the Lord who took Lot and his wife and his two daughters by the hand and removed them from the city. Oh, that I could rescue you from pending destruction that awaits in this city. I know there is but one, though, who can rescue you, friends. There is one. His name is Jesus. Make today the day that you flee this city of destruction and look wholeheartedly to Jesus. Recognize that your sin has separated you from a relationship with Jesus. Look to the Son. Only Jesus can provide your solution to your sin problem. Pursue the things of the Lord. Desire the life that Christ gives. Delight in his word. Flee the pleasures of this world. Church, they're but for a moment. They're gone. And I pray that this church operates as pilgrims and strangers that collectively we would all desire the things of the Lord that we relish our union with Christ and the fellowship made possible with God the Father and His Son and with brothers and sisters who are also in Christ. I pray that the power given to us by the Holy Spirit would permeate each one and that Christ's church would be about purifying herself as Christ Himself is pure. You see, strangers and pilgrims are called to make disciples of all nations and journey here on earth with a desire for a heavenly home where Christ Himself is seen. These are markers of the gospel, church. We shall behold him. We shall see him as he is. Don't forego the prize of Christ of heaven and the joy of worshiping together with the saints. The saints comprised of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 tells us. Make today the day of salvation. Don't continue putting off the warning. You remember in Genesis chapter 18 when Lot went in to speak with his sons-in-law about the pending destruction. They responded thinking it was only a joke. What I am speaking of today is no joke, friends. This is no joke. Acts 17 30 and 31, Paul as he's speaking in the midst of the Areopagus in Athens. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man Whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him. That's Jesus. By raising him from the dead. That's the assurance. Church, is your hope being built solely on the blood of Jesus and his righteousness? Are you desiring a better country this morning? And will you live by faith? Operating as strangers and pilgrims here on earth looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that you give to us in your word. Father, I pray that there be none here who would be ignorant. Concerning those who fall asleep, who've died, lest we sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, you, God, will bring with you those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say, Oh, Father, I pray and thank you for these words of comfort and pray that we would encourage and comfort one another with these very words as we look to this heavenly hope that you've given to us. May we walk in this hope. May we walk by faith, looking and trusting in Christ alone. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.